The Tom Woods Show, episode 1696. Prepare to set fire to the index card of allowable opinion. Your daily dose of liberty education starts here. The Tom Woods Show. Folks, for another libertarian podcast to help fill your daily routine, check out my friends at Good Morning Liberty. They're talking every single day about libertarian solutions to the problems that ail us. Check them out at BernieLies.com. Hey everybody, Tom Woods here, joined today by John Zmirak. And if I were to list all the things John Zmirak has done, it would take the entire episode. He is an author, as the author of numerous books, most recently The Politically Incorrect Guide to Catholicism from the same Politically Incorrect Guide series for which I contributed the volume on American history. He is senior editor at The Stream website. He's been published all over the place. He holds his undergraduate degree from Yale, his PhD in English from Louisiana State University. And today we're just going to have a conversation about some stuff that's been going on in the news and uh, just the weird way in which uh, modern revolutionary movements ape Christianity and certain Christian concepts, but they twist them into really bizarre modern variants (laughs) in ways that are very creepy. Now, John is not a libertarian, so beware. He may say things that are not libertarian, but he's a guy I've known for a long time. We're just having a conversation. So, John, welcome to the show. Thanks, Tom. Good to be on. You know, I could be talking to you about almost any topic under the sun, so it's my fault that after nearly 1,700 episodes, I'm only now having you on. <laughs> and right now, I mean, you you are one of a handful of people I would want to talk to in the midst of complete insane collapse. And, you know, I, I think back to when I guess you and I probably first met in the late 90s. Early 90s. During, it was the early 90s. It was before St. Agnes burned down. So we're talking 91, 92. No, it couldn't have been because I, I wasn't oh. in New York yet. We, oh, you're right. I remember now. We were using I didn't the go temporary to Agnes, chapel. The temporary yeah, chapel. I, exactly. I never saw the old St. Oh, Agnes. Oh, I stood there. I moved into the neighborhood to be near it and it burned down a month later. I stood there watching it happen. Horrible, horrible. Was I was horrible. there when Cardinal O'Connor dedicated the new church. Yeah, yeah. And and just two months earlier, or no, less than that, I had just written an article for Latin Mass Magazine describing him as the typical, what McCaffrey calls right-wing liberal. So <laughs> here, there he is coming to St. Agnes after I've just denounced him in the magazine. Well, so but anyway. I had gotten in trouble with Monsignor Clark because I denounced the uh, the design of the newly rebuilt church. Okay, like all right. So you and me both. Yeah, in fact, um, our, our our mutual friend Austin Roos oh, was yeah. standing there by the entrance, and as the as Cardinal O'Connor was coming in, he he was under his breath, going, "Here's the guy who wrote the article right here." <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all right. But you know, but the reason I bring those days up is that those were the uh, the uh, Bill Clinton years, and I keep saying that at least for the time being. I would take the Bill Clinton years in a second compared to today. In a second. And yet at the time, I really thought this was like apocalyptically bad, the the way things were. It is astonishing how much worse things could get. And I hate to be a downer. I like to look for silver linings for folks who listen, but. There's a lot of ruin in a country. And um, you know what, though? That was a turning point. When KCV Planned Parenthood was decided. Uh, in in ninety, I guess that was in ninety one or ninety two. I think that set us on the trajectory to just the chaos we have right now. We had Anthony Kennedy, who was appointed by Ronald Reagan, um, and I, I have a friend, I have a friend, a colleague who was in the room when Reagan's advisors assured him that Kennedy was a solid originalist, pro life conservative. Uh, 
When Anthony Kennedy said that the, note, the meaning of American liberty in the Constitution was the freedom to arbitrarily make up your own view of the universe and your own view of morality uh, entirely on your own, and that was the essence of American freedom, that was kind of almost the death sentence. Because once you say that freedom means arbitrariness, uh, just following your impulses, making up a worldview, that's not a view of freedom that's going to last. That, that's, not, that's, the, that's the caricature of freedom that people who don't really care about liberty throw around. And that's the kind of disorder that invites tyranny. Ordered liberty is the kind that can last. Chaos invites tyranny. And what we've had in increasing ever since that decision, and uh, not just because of it, but in consonance with it, is uh, anarcho-tyranny. Anarcho-tyranny is a very interesting concept that, uh, that it was brooded about in the 1990s, where on the important things like order in the streets, control of the nation's borders, the country's interaction with other nations, on the important things, you have anarchy. We are trying to overthrow other people's governments. We're funding terrorists in Syria that are linked to Al-Qaeda. And John McCain is assuring us these are moderate rebels. We are, uh, our borders are open. Human traffickers control them. Women are getting raped. Girls are getting raped, being smuggled into the country. Um, whole cities are given over to violent crime. And every property owner, every hardworking person of any race wants to get out of there. But, but the government will control whether you smoke in your car. Uh, what kind of, of uh, child protective you know, car seat you use. And now, of course, the government will determine whether you're allowed to go to the store, what you have to wear on your face, how close you can stand to anyone, and whether you can sing in church, which the governor of California has forbidden. So the, and let's just look at California. The governor is telling people they can't sing in church, but he's also using federal money to reward illegal immigrants who came into the country against our will. At the same time, it's as if the Democrats had just said, we are the anarcho-tyranny party. We're just going to put it in our name. Well, you you were saying uh, you use the word caricature, and that put me in mind of how a lot of times over the years I've heard people, you know, who are conservative draw parallels between, let's say, Marxism and Christianity. And they say Marxism takes certain Christian concepts and categories and and perverts them, but but retains them. You can see, I mean, th- there's an eschatology, there's a, yeah. you know, you can find all kinds of interesting parallels in there. And I think there is a kind of caricature of Christianity going on right now that Absolutely. we've seen in, in, in some of the, the response to, by, by white people to the Black Lives Matter movement. So I, I want to talk about that because there are a lot of people, I mean, a lot of people in America, like you and me, who genuinely and honestly, and any normal person knows immediately, have absolutely bear no ill will toward any person whatsoever of any race, right. okay? Right. And I would say that is the default position of basically everybody. And yeah. yet, by my saying that, I am almost proving to the crazy people that therefore I'm a white supremacist. I mean, right. it, it's gotten to the point, no matter what you say, what you do, no matter, it does not matter. So what? So this is beyond uh, the question of should the, we keep a tougher eye on the police or whatever. That's a practical question. People can disagree about that. This is way, way beyond that. Right. What Black Lives Matter is a Marxist cult. 
It was founded by self-proclaimed Marxists, one of whom interned for years under a member of the Weather Underground Terrorist Organization, okay? It's a brilliant trademark. They got the name Black Lives Matter. It reminds me of when Lenin made his way to Russia and said, land, peace, bread, and all power to the Soviets. Now, <laughs> that last clause, of course, was the only one he actually cared about. Black Lives Matter, it's, it's become a kind of mantra. You have to say Black Lives Matter. You can't say Black Lives are sacred. You can't say, I, I propose people say Black Lives are sacred, born or unborn, it's because uh, Black Lives Matter, of course, is aligned with Planned Parenthood, which really was founded by white racist eugenicists, Margaret Sanger, and who uh, worked closely with Nazi eugenicists such as Eugen Fischer. Uh, who was a German eugenicist who wrote the eugenics text that converted Hitler to racism. He had run a concentration camp in Africa during World War I and done cruel, hideous, Mengele-style experiments on Africans. Yet Margaret Sanger had him as a speaker at her conferences. She published his article. So Planned Parenthood actually is an organization founded by quasi-Nazi eugenicist white racists. But Black Lives Matter is fine with that. You have to repeat the phrase, Black Lives Matter. It's almost like the formula of conversion to Islam, the Shahada. You have to recite exactly those words to show your allegiance. Um, it, I, I feel like we are seeing a new post-Christian parody religion being foisted on us. And you're right, it, it's powerful because it steals elements of Christianity. And it's more powerful than Marxism because it steals different elements different elements. Um, I've got a two-part series at stream.org, if people want to check it out, stream.org. And the, the first article is, what, is called Woke Whites Want to Make Their Own Race the Suffering Savior Then Worship It. Now, it's kind of a complicated argument, but I think I've really caught on to what's motivating white elites who want to enroll in this post-Marxist, post-Christian bizarre spiritual movement that some people call intersectionalism or just wokeness. Um, wokeness, it takes the insight that Christianity has about the world, that the world is broken, the world is flawed, innocent people suffer, the wicked prevail. These things are true. Uh, and it takes the sense of guilt that you and I feel, which is also accurate because we all share an original sin. If we get it past the age of reason, we all share in personal sin. So they're right about two things. The world is broken, and you and I are partly responsible for it. Those are the most powerful elements in Christianity, in the preparing people for a Christian conversion. Then it takes another element. You can be redeemed. There is redemption. But redemption comes not through recognizing our sinfulness and turning to Jesus Christ. It comes through joining a political movement. That movement replaces the church. It, it gives you a, a place of, of communion where you can meet like-minded people who will affirm you. First, they'll affirm you, your guilt. Yes, you are guilt. You are sin, you're guilt. You are sinful. But then you get together with them and, and you get busy redeeming society. You're part of the redemptive movement. That is kind of part of the woke church. What I think is really bizarre is white elites seem to be taking white, liberal, modern Western culture and treating it as a kind of Christ figure. Now, think about this. 
when these people, they want to tear down statues of the American founders of Columbus, even of Abraham Lincoln, because none of these elements of our history to them meet the most perfect, scrupulous standards of absolute purity of motive. These, these guys on these statues, some of them, they did imperfect things. Some of them owned slaves. Lincoln thought the slaves maybe should go back to Africa. None of them were as pure as, I don't know, Mark Zuckerberg is today, or uh, Rose McGowan. So we have to hold everything in the Western Christian white heritage. We have to hold that to the most scrupulous and exacting of moral standards. It has to be like a spotless land. Meanwhile, the same people don't care that Nike is making its sneakers using enslaved Uyghur Muslims in China right now, right now. They don't care that Boko Haram, a Muslim, a Muslim is jihadist group, is in kidnapping and enslaving black Christian Nigerian girls right now. It's happening right now, not 200 years ago, right now. They don't care that Turkey is unleashing Al-Qaeda on Syrian Christians right now. Or, or that it's weaponizing the same jihadists against the, the Armenia, the survivors of the Turkish genocide. They don't care about that. It's all happening now. Doesn't matter. They don't hold anybody but white people to these moral standards. And that sounds like Rudyard Kipling. If you look at his poem, The White Man's Burden, it's all about how we, as the highest noblest race, have to adopt an almost masochistic, self-sacrificing, self-abnegating, Christ-like purity and suffering. So I think what's really weirdly going on with these woke whites is that they are treating Western culture, the white race, whiteness, they like to say, they're treating it like Jesus. On the one hand, they're piling all the sins of the world on it, but then they want it to wash them spotless, clean by its destruction. And then I think they want a kind of resurrection. They want to see woke, liberal, secular white culture conquer the world. They don't think Chinese communism is going to dominate the future. They don't think the Muslim Brotherhood is going to dominate the future. They think people like them are going to dominate the future. So they have this weird kind of church militant in mind that if they sacrifice the body of whiteness, the mystical body of white, liberal, secular culture will rise and dominate after that. It's very strange, but it's a very potent messianic religion which is taking over today. Yeah, I, I think I think there's something to it, and I, I think I am less likely than ever to entertain seriously the complaints of people who talk about how superstitious everybody was in the Middle Ages. I'm sorry, I'm not, <laughs> not going for that anymore. Well, you know, I'll tell you something interesting. A, a great book, I don't know if you've seen it, The Pursuit of the Millennium by Norman Cohn. No, I don't know he that. Was, he's a great intellectual historian. And what he does is he looks at the messianic movements that spun off from the Franciscans in the late Middle Ages, uh, the groups that said Christians should not own any private property, the church should not have any wealth, all Christians must live like Franciscans, uh, and that this would result in a revolutionary change in society. You would see the third age the first age of the, of, the, of the Father, the second age of the Son, Jesus Christ, this would bring on the third age of the Holy Spirit, where everyone would live in equality without any private property at all. 
and they and of course they spun off militant wings. They would sometimes take over cities, and the first thing they would do is kill the Jews. That's what everybody does first, every evil movement. First they killed the Jews, then they went after the property owners and the bankers, and then the bishops and the priests. Norman Cohn says Marxism is nothing more than a pseudoscientific, dressed up in Hegelian language, late medieval Gnostic cult. Uh, I've okay. I haven't. I haven't seen this book, but this is very interesting material. I mean, remember the messianic promises that 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 Marx makes. You'll have universal prosperity. People will work five, six hours a day. There won't be division of labor. You'll be able to hunt in the morning, philosophize in the evening, and be an art critic in the afternoon. Yeah. Uh, he promises this golden utopia, universal brotherhood, and effortless prosperity. And this utopia is what motivated tens of thousands of loyal communists to give their lives in battle, in revolutionary wars, in revolutionary uprisings. And, and it also motivated them to form the Soviet Communist Party and sacrifice millions of other people's lives because they were trying to create heaven on earth. When you try to create heaven on earth, you're going to have a lot of sacrificial victims. You're going to be nailing a lot of innocent people to the cross in your desperate failed efforts to create an earthly paradise. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and I've got some more stuff to ask you about in just a minute. Folks, let's take just a quick second to thank a new sponsor, which is another libertarian podcast to fill your daily routine. I recommend checking out Good Morning Liberty. Good Morning Liberty was started by two libertarian business owners in Nashville, Tennessee. As musicians in Nashville, Charlie and Nate hit multiple Billboard charts, each with their own bands, while touring through 14 countries and 48 states. The two have had number one songs, MTV Video Music Awards appearances, and even acted in nationally televised commercials, all while never being signed to a record label. In 2017, they formed a healthcare IT company, which aims to help healthcare companies navigate regulation and become as efficient as possible. Good Morning Liberty is a podcast focused on highlighting free market solutions for today's political and economic problems. Good Morning Liberty believes that if you own yourself, then libertarianism is the most moral political ideology there is, and they aim to prove it. They have new episodes daily, so check out the Good Morning Liberty podcast on your favorite podcast app or on their website, BernieLies.com. Here's something that puzzles me. I realize that most, this is an understatement, colleges and universities are run by either cowards or terrible people, civilization <laughs> wreckers. You know, okay, that's that's true of, of most. But you can find some obscure small colleges here and there where they're keeping their heads under the radar and, and trying to at least be somewhat sensible in some like areas. Grove, like Grove City College where Paul Kengard teaches. Terrific. Exactly. Terrific Grove guy. City College would be a perfect example. And I recently was talking to a professor who teaches at just such a college where they there's no intimidation of anybody, where students aren't told that they better believe a certain way or they'll be hounded forever. I mean, they really just focus on education and scholarship. And and I'll, after we're done, I'll tell you what college this is. Sure. But I, I can't say because it was a confidential discussion. Yeah. And he said the thing is right now we are in a position if we so desired to market ourselves as a college that people who are concerned about their kids falling into this morass could send their kids to in good conscience because we believe in education. We're going to take care of your kids. We're not going to expose them to lunacy and attacks and and persecution and whatever. It's and we're not here to brainwash them. We're just, you know, we're going to do our jobs. 
He said, we could distinguish ourselves in that way, and yet the administration is terrified to do it. So I just wonder if you would comment on that. I mean, what shouldn't there be more institutions out there? There are, there's a demand for that type of college. I think they're afraid. Uh, well, first of all, they are probably cowards. Um, there may be one legitimate aspect to their fear. They're afraid that their graduates won't be able to get jobs if they get labeled. You know, I strongly suspect that graduates of places like Hillsdale and Grove City College are discriminated against in hiring at major corporations. Now, of course, the answer is, do you really want to work for Facebook? Do you really want to work for Apple, right? The cancel culture is getting uglier and meaner and harsher day by day by day. And it might well happen that graduates of Liberty University or Thomas Aquinas College will find themselves very, very difficult, in a very difficult position on the job market because somebody's going to say, oh, this college is racist because they have a statue of the Sacred Heart. And everybody, they'll just remember the racist thing. Oh, okay, they wouldn't tear down Junipero Serra. They wouldn't eliminate their Knights of Columbus chapter. They're, they're pro-life, so they're anti-woman, which is sexist. And if you're sexist, you're probably racist. And again, when there's a witch hunt atmosphere happening, it takes a lot of courage to identify with the accused. I'm at the point now, anyone who's accused of racist being racist, if they don't admit it, if they don't say, yes, I'm a white nationalist, if they don't say overtly racist things, I'm going to defend them. I'm going to assume that they're innocent because in a witch trial, most of the people are innocent and it's just better to be on the safe side and side with the innocent because you're going to be next. Well, that is, I guess, the way I've been thinking about it. I still feel like you don't have to maybe be as ostentatious as I was proposing in the way you market yourself. You could you could just be in the way, the sorts of things you take pictures of in your brochure and the yeah. emphasis that you place. I mean, University of Chicago made some statement. Of, now they can get away with it because, I mean, who's going to say yeah. the University of Chicago is a school full of bums? You know, I mean, you'd have to be an idiot. Well, you know, Hills, the, Hillsdale did this. Hillsdale created an admirable video responding to Black Lives Matter. And, and saying, you don't really think that because you don't care about unborn lives. And it showed unborn black babies. It was beautiful. I really respected Hillsdale for doing that. And I think it was extremely sad. What we need right now is courage. People need the courage of those who resisted the witch trials in late medieval Europe. Uh, people think that the, the church led the witch trials. No, it was the secular governments and the mob that led the witch trials in places like Germany and Scotland and England. And in Germany, it was Jesuits and bishops who, who managed to put a stop to the witch trials. And they said, this is a popular fanaticism. You're singling out innocent people. You're settling personal grudges. You're throwing these accusations around. You're saying outrageous, ridiculous things. You're saying that women can fly through the air. The church has always said this is false, that none of these magical powers exist. They're just superstitions. We need to be like those Jesuits and, and other and, uh, brave officials who said, no, we're not going to play along with these witch trials. We're not going to let you cancel innocent people, but we're going to put the burden of proof on the accuser and the presumption of innocence on the accused. I agree with you about the need for courage. And what surprises me is that we haven't really, maybe you can think of an example, we haven't really had one really prominent person who's been accused of whatever standing up and saying, you know what? I'm not going along with this. 
I'm not going to apologize. I'm not going to abase myself. I'm not going to go through your crazy, disgusting rituals that you expect of me. J.K. Rowling. I thought of J.K. Rowling, but even there, I, I, I mean, sort I, of. Yeah, I mean, she's standing up. I mean, it's it's great. A pro-choice feminist, but it, but she insists that women and men actually exist, and that takes courage. And she has a billion dollars, and she's willing to say men and women exist. <laughs> I wrote a column for the for the stream. Freedom starts with the freedom to say Bruce Jenner is a man. Uh, I was re- I was re- making a reference to 1984. Freedom begins with the freedom to say two plus two equals four. And I think the transgender madness is is a particularly distinctive example of totalitarianism in action. You have to pretend that there is no biological reality of sex. That men menstruate, men give birth. Women can have penises. If they can make you say that, they can make you say anything, Tom, anything at all. Well, listen, I get that and I get the J.K. Rowling thing. But what I'm imagining is somebody who stands up and says, you know, I'm going to stand up for all the people we've never heard of who have had this happen to them on a smaller scale. All the people of obviously goodwill who just said the wrong phrase and they because they – hadn't kept up with what the latest craze is of the past five minutes or right, right. who who didn't vote for the right person or didn't do the, whatever it is that makes them unacceptable to society anymore. These are all quite decent people, I find, at least a lot of them, whereas the sort of people who hound them actually turn seem to me to be some of the worst people on earth. Right. And, and yet we've allowed ourselves to be intimidated by some of the worst, most despicable people on earth who absolutely do not favor, do not have a, a, a position of goodwill toward mankind the way the, the, the rest of us do. Well, let's and talk and about it's about time, well, hang on a minute. It's yeah. about time somebody took a stand against the whole thing. It's over. We're not doing it anymore. Who's with me? Millions of people would rally to that person. That's right. And, and you know, some of the support that Donald Trump had in the past was for him standing up at moments like that. He hasn't particularly done it now. Um, and we talk about the worst people on earth. Let's talk about some of Let's talk about the Smithsonian Institution's National Museum of African American History. They just put out a little uh, explainer chart for their employees, which are meant to explain aspects and assumptions of whiteness and white culture in the United States. And they, I could not believe I th- I yeah. thought this was actually a parody put out by white supremacists. I, I have a column at Stream.org called. I'm Richard Spencer's screw tape, and I approve this racist message. Because, <laughs> and in the column, I say I, ha- I it's in the voice of the of the screw tape demon, and I have the same demon advising Richard Richard Spencer and the woke crowd over at the Smithsonian. They actually say that only white men do are, have the following character virtues, so, pro social attitudes, or economically productive habits: respecting authority, delaying gratification planning for the future, coming to work on time, meeting deadlines, valuing valuing tangible assets, hoping for the future, trying to master wild nature, making firm decisions, being polite, valuing personal property, privacy, working hard, and thinking in a rational or objective manner. Only white men are like this. I mean, is this a dog whistle saying you should only hire white males because they all—they are the only ones with all these valuable qualities. And here's here's a bonus, Tom: They're, white males are the only people you can safely fire without a threat of a discrimination lawsuit. So basically, 
only hire white men because they're much better employees and you can actually fire them. That's the message of yes. this museum of African-American history. Yeah, it was astonishing. I could not believe what I was reading. And there's more stuff there too, like about how we use clocks and time. And like, this is a unique <laughs> Western thing. Yeah, whereas I'm sure African airports, they don't use time, right? No, Maybe they, they just use take the, the planes take off whenever they feel like it. <laughs> they crash into each other. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, because of course, you, you know that air traffic control is an instrument of white supremacy, as everybody knows. Oh, listen, I, I'm starting to think that gravity, electromagnetism, and visible light are all racist. They're certainly uh, you know, complicit in racism. Light, visible light shone down on the Confederate South. So it was at least racist enabling, if not racist in its intent. Yeah, because the problem with, with light is that it's impartial. Yeah. You know, it, it spreads itself anywhere and it needs to be actively anti-racist. That's right. right. Isn't and that the, the message? That's right. And people with black skin absorb more light. So they're more affected by it. So it has a disparate impact on whites and blacks. I mean, it's, this it's, is a whole new so field of study yeah. that needs to be that needs to be taken seriously. And and <laughs> the thing is, I, I we laugh at this because again, you know, I don't want to say that the people who say this are themselves secretly racist because they always pull stuff like that on us. But but my gosh, I mean, if you were their beliefs are racist, their beliefs are objectively racist whether or not their intent is. See, they here's the here's the thing. The definition of mark of racism that these people are using and that the Catholic bishops are using is Marxist. Their definition is racism has two elements, bias or, or hatred and power. So you have to have both. If you're part of the powerful group and you have bias, then you can be racist. Then we can call you racist. But if you're not part of the powerful group, then you, you're immune from racist, racism. So by this standard, Barack Obama's two daughters, who will never miss a, miss a fancy meal in their lives and who are nor, quite wealthy and will lead lives of enormous privilege, still they can never be called racist, even if they joined Louis Farrakhan's group and read the Protocols of the Elders of Zion to little school children in public libraries. But an unemployed coal miner who's addicted to, to meth or, or opioids, he can be racist if he happens to be white because he's part of the, the group which generally has power in the country. That crude, morally obtuse, empty definition is the one behind all the accusations of systemic racism. And these same people, they don't say China is systemically racist in favor of Han Chinese, even though they're committing genocide against Tibet, and they've got two million Uyghurs in concentration camps. Nobody says that's racist. Nobody says it's racist that one tribe dominates in an African country over another. They don't say it's racist that Koreans dominate the Korean peninsula and tend, Korean customs tend to dominate there. Why is it that only white, historically white countries like Hungary and Sweden are expected to sacrifice their heritage and their identity, bring in millions of Somalis or Syrian Muslims and, and accept them all and accept their customs and assimilate to the immigrants. Only whites are expected to do this. That is weirdly holding white people to a higher standard and holding everybody else to lower standards. Like every other race is a kind of special ed class and only whites are expected to practice the really noble, pure morality of anti-racism. So there is a white supremacism buried at the very heart of the woke culture. 
Okay. I, I guess I, I guess I see that. I, I guess I see where you're coming from. It's, um, I mean, holding one race to lower standards than another. Yeah, well, they obviously are doing that, especially with that Smithsonian thing. Oh my gosh, you have staggering. to staggering. And the thing is that it may seem like we're we're treating this lightly or jokingly, but we are because you have to. You one of the things that totalitarianism hates is humor, right? Especially at the expense of the regime. Right. This this crazy stuff has to be ridiculed. It is possible for you to be, and, and not only is it possible, it's the majority default position for you to be a person of goodwill who has no anim- animosity toward any person or race, which is how almost everybody you'll ever meet in your life thinks. That's the, the, that's the, it is possible to have that position while at the same time saying, I don't favor this particular movement. I might think that there have been cases of police abuse, sure. and in some cases there may be patterns of police abuse, and that needs to be examined. That is entirely different. Right. from what's going on right now. And when things like the Aunt Jemima figure is taken off the syrup and all that, people laugh and say, oh, you're going to die on the hill of worrying about maple syrup. But obviously it's not syrup. I mean, how how blind can you be? This is the same phenomenon that totalitarian revolutions have exhibited throughout history where everything must change because the old order is to be despised and spat upon and laughed at and ridiculed. And anybody who clings to it is to have his life ruined right. or worse. Well, I mean, look in St. Louis, we've got a piece at stream.org by a local Catholic who helped get involved in resisting this. They wanted to tear down the statue of St. Louis the ninth in front of the art museum because they claimed he was Islamophobic for fighting in a crusade. Um, they wanted to rename the city for someone else, and they demanded that every street or public place that was named after a Catholic saint would have to be removed and erased because, you know, obviously the same church that honors this Islamophobic bigot, uh, really we can't be naming anything. But they wanted to erase the entire Catholic heritage of the city of St. Louis, which, remember, was was discovered by French explorers and named for a saint from France, Louis IX. And they were demanding a cultural revolution on, you know, purge the whole history of the city. And this is just a few hundred people gathered in a park. But in city after city, you see the public officials cave and just collapse before the first show of force by Antifa terrorists or Black Lives Matters affiliated thugs. And you saw what happened in Seattle. It was staggering. You have the mayor exists only to stop the police from enforcing public order. John, what is the uh, what is the stream that you're telling us about? It's stream.org. It was started by the Reverend James Robinson. He was the uh, minister who introduced Ronald Reagan to Jerry Falwell back in 1980 and helped get the Christian rights started. Uh, the stream is focused on religious freedom, economic freedom, a market economy personal liberty and responsibility, and a strong, coherent, free America that follows in the Anglo-American tradition of our founders, and that we emphasize the strong Christian elements in the philosophy of freedom that motivated our founders. So uh, that that's the, the philosophy of the stream, and I've been writing there for five years. I write there five columns a week, every week, Tom. <laughs> Wow. Okay. I knew you wrote there. I didn't know it was quite that much. So I'm going to link to a couple of 
pieces uh, over there that because they're relevant to our conversation. Yeah, I appreciate uh, that. And I hope people check check out screen.org. And of course, you can follow me on Twitter at J-Z-M-I-R-A-K. And my most recent book was The Politically Incorrect Guide to Catholicism. I know you've written in that same series, Tom. That's right. That's right. So I'm going to link to all this stuff, uh, uh, your Twitter, to the stream, uh, to your most recent book. All this will be at tomwoods.com slash 1696. Well, I know you have to run in just a moment, so I'll let you get going. And thanks so much. Thank you, Tom. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for today. Tomorrow, Michael Malice comes back to the show. We're going to talk about what's going on in New York, the state of things in New York. Uh, We're also going to talk about a new poll that was just released showing that a majority of Americans believe their society is racist. We're going to try to pull apart what that means and what all this means for November 2020. So make sure and tune in for that. Subscribe to the show, tomwoods.com slash Apple. And then the other thing is, you know, this is probably a year too old at this point, but the ideas are eternal. I did an ebook of professors who stood up to the mob. And I think that is more timely now than ever. And you will enjoy reading that. And it's called Think for Yourself. Professors who resisted the mob tell their stories. You can pick up your copy at againstthemob.com, and I'll see you tomorrow. Become a smarter libertarian in just 30 minutes a day. Visit tomwoods.com to subscribe to the show for free, and we'll see you next time. Like the sound of The Tom Woods Show? My audio production is provided by Podsworth Media. Check them out at podsworth.com.